Hi there, and thank you for tuning in to the following message provided by Renewed Church. We pray that this message will be a blessing and encouragement for you. For more information about our church, please visit www.renew.miami. Amen. 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 Amen, man. Praise God. Let's let's just say one more time. Let's give God thanks for the life and death and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Wow. Wow. It's so good to be with you. Happy Easter to each and every one of you. So glad that you guys are here in the room. Those of you that are online at our 1035 online service, we are glad that you are here today. If you're a guest this morning, man, don't be a guest. Become a part of our family starting today. Make this a commitment that goes not just from Easter to Christmas to Easter, but make this a commitment that, you know what? I need to be a part of a church family. I need to belong in a place. Uh, you're welcome here. You belong here. And we would love for you to make this, this, this your church home. Let me pray with us before we get into the Word this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you for today. God, I thank you for each and every person in the, in the room and those online, God, within the sound of my voice. God, I just pray that you minister to hearts and lives, that you'd move me out of the way, that you would speak through, through me as just a messenger of yours. But God, I pray that these, your people, would have the ears to hear what it is you're saying. Take away distractions today, all the stuff that's going to come after the service, all the things that are happening uh, leading up to the service. God, just help us to focus on you today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said, amen. amen, amen, amen. Well, again, welcome to Renew. My name is Pastor Trevor. And today we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord. But can you imagine for just a couple of minutes what it must have been like on Friday? Imagine with me, if you will, what that day must have been like. Uh, to give you a glimpse into what Jesus was feeling on that day, here are some of the words of Jesus as recorded in the Gospels. In Luke chapter 22, right before Jesus is arrested, he's saying, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. He, he's like, I, I don't know if I can handle this. Take it from me, but not my will, but yours be done. In Luke 23, when he's on the cross, he says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. These are some of the emotions he's going through. In Matthew's gospel, in Matthew chapter 27, he says this, Eloi, Eloi, lamach sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And then John's gospel, he says in, in verse 28, it says, later knowing that everything had now been finished and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked the sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had finished the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. These are the emotions that Jesus was feeling. These are the things that were going through his mind in those last moments of his death that Friday. I, I want to talk a little bit about followers for a minute. And, and oftentimes we think about Easter and we think about, uh, you know, Good Friday is the day Jesus died. Saturday, Sunday is the day that he was resurrected. And we just kind of say, yeah, he was buried in the tomb and on the third day he rose again. But I just want to kind of like put your mind on this thought of what it took to get Jesus from the cross to the tomb. Because 
taking him from the cross meant that somebody had to physically, and it was probably one of his disciples, probably had to physically put a ladder up to the cross, climb up to where his arms were, and remove his hands from the nails, pulling his hands over the nails of his bloodied and bruised body, lowering his body down into a sheet and, and holding him there and, and holding the weight of, of this, their, their, their savior, or their, their rabbi, their Messiah, who is now dead. Then they remove the nail and take his feet from the cross. Then they take him down and, and they put him in the bo- the, the, his body, the body of Jesus, in a new tomb, a, a borrowed tomb. Why was it a borrowed tomb? Because he only needed it for a couple days. He only needed it for a short time. Amen? Like, he is not permanently needing this tomb. But in the preparation of the burial, they, they do what oftentimes in tradition they would do. They washed his body. They wrapped it in white linen. They folded his arms over his chest and traditionally they would prepare his body in preparation of his body if the eyes were open they would close the eyes kiss his cheek and then they would place a napkin over his face and then walk away they would they would be be done with the the burial of of Christ that was it they would roll the stone over the tomb and and that was the end of it And that was not only the end of the burial, but that was the end of their hopes. That was the end of their dreams. That was the end of everything that they thought that they were living for and who they were following. When Jesus breathed breathed His last breath, they thought, it's all over. For Jesus and His disciples, they thought, it's not supposed to be this way. You see, Jesus is the King's Son. That's what they knew. That's what they understood. In 2 Samuel chapter 7, this is the Old Testament. This is prophecy about about David and the lineage of David, it says this in verse 12, when your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father and he will be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him with a rod wielded by men with floggings inflicted by human hands. This is prophecy. But my love will never be taken away from him, as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from before you. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. You see, Jesus was the king's son. And if you go to Matthew's gospel, chapter 1, you can see the genealogical, genealogical record of Jesus. And you can see there where David, the king of Israel, following that lineage all the way to Joseph, it says in Matthew verse 1, chapter 1, verse 16, Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. You see, Joseph wasn't just the earthly husband to Mary and the earthly father to Jesus. He was actually supposed to be a king. He was in the line of David. And so he was this this carpenter that became the king of heaven's son, the father, the earthly father of the king of heaven's son. Amen? This is who we worship today. But here's the thing. Jesus wasn't the kind of king, as we've talked about over the last few weeks in the series Road to Easter that we've been in, Jesus was not the kind of king that we expect. 
Not a political king, not a government king, no one that, that you would expect. Instead, Jesus was the king of an upside-down kingdom, amen? But it wasn't working out the way that his followers had thought. Jesus was arrested, he was beaten, he was crucified, dead, and he was buried. Man, I imagine in this moment... Jesus felt for the first time what it would feel like to be outside of the presence of his father. Like, I don't know that for sure, but I imagine for this moment, especially as he was on that cross and as he was saying those things, he might have felt those feelings. And I wonder if some of you have had those feelings. I wonder if some of you have had those moments in, in life when it was like, man, I've done something that was so wrong, so unrighteous. I feel like I'm outside of the presence of the Father. This might have been one of those moments of, uh, of emotion for Jesus. But on the third day, amen, on the third day something wonderful and miraculous happened. As God the Father says to an angel in heaven, go get him. And the angels, as soon as his feet hit the ground, the stone rolls away and up from the grave Jesus arose by his own power. Somebody should give God praise for that today. Amen. Think back to all the things that Jesus had spoken about, about himself in the scriptures. He, here's a couple of, of passages or, or prophecies that Jesus had said. He said, the son of man must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things and be killed and on the third day be raised. Another verse, it says, I laid out my life that I may take it up again, and I have authority to take it up again. Another passage, another verse, Jesus says, the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death. But after three days, I will rise. You see, they didn't understand, but Jesus did. They didn't know, but Jesus knew. Jesus knew everything that was taking place, and he understood what was going to go through, what was going to take place in his life. But Mary, she's, she comes to the tomb. Not Mary, the mother of Jesus, but Mary Magdalene. She comes to the tomb on that, that, that third day, on that Sunday. She comes to the tomb and she finds that the stone is rolled away. And she begets, becomes frightened. She becomes afraid. And, and she gets Peter and, and John. And, and they go back to the tomb. And, and this is going to kind of be where, where we'll pick up our primary text today she sees the linen cloths. They see the linen cloths lying there, but there was something unusual that I want to bring to your attention in the scripture today, something that caught their eye that was very interesting. John chapter 20, starting at verse 1. Now the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, and said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. In other words, they were saying to themselves, she was saying to them, my Jesus, my Savior has been stolen. She didn't think that he had arisen from the dead. Peter therefore went out, and the other disciple were there going to the tomb. So they both ran together, and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the, the tomb first. You know, the other disciple, just as a side note, this is John, the writer of the Gospel of John. He, for some reason, has this little bit of a narcissistic edge to him where he's constantly wanting to make sure that people know he's the one that Jesus loved. He's the one that can run faster than Peter. He's this guy that's always looking out for himself a little bit. 
But he's stooping down, verse 5, and he says, And looking in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb, and he saw the linen cloths lying there, and the napkin that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in a place by itself. I'm going to stop there for now. Let, let, let me just tell you why I think this matters. John said that the napkin, or, or depending on the translation you're looking at, the, the linen cloth or the handkerchief, which, which was placed over the face, face of Jesus, was not just thrown aside like the grave clothes. It was neatly folded in a place by itself. The significance of this might have more significance than the fact that Jesus has manners. I mean, that, when I first read it, I was like, wow, he, his mama told him how to make his, make his bed. But I think it's farther than that. I think it goes deeper than that. And, and there's some commentators that have, have talked about this, and so I, I, I'm in agreement with this. Not that I have biblical, you know, uh, fact to this, but it's in my opinion that this folded napkin has something to do with the, the, the tradition of the master and the servant and the concept of, of what happens between the master and the servant. You see, if the master was done eating, he would rise from the table. He would wipe his fingers. He would wipe his mouth. He would begin to wipe his beard. He would clean his face. He would do everything that he needed to do. He was done eating. So he would wad up that napkin and maybe as some of you have done, he would then toss it on the table. Just throw it on the table saying, I'm done. But if the master got up from the table and instead of, of wadding up the table, he folded his napkin. In other words, he, he's, he's been eating for a little bit, but maybe he excuses himself for a moment or he needs to go talk to someone to do something, whatever the case. If he's not done, he folds his napkin and he puts it back there neatly on the table to signify, I'm not done to signify I'm coming back. Maybe there's something to be said about this. You see, because there was a folded napkin laying to the side in that tomb and, and the cloth that covered the dead face of Jesus, it, it, it's in a different place than the rest of the cloths. Why do you care about this, Trevor? Why are you telling us this on Easter Sunday? Because I think Jesus was saying then something that he is still saying now i think jesus is saying i'm not done i think jesus is saying i'm coming back and and that's what he did on that resurrection morning and and i believe that's even what he's doing now he's saying to each and every single one of us i'm not done so today if you want to make a declaration, if you want to make a decision today, it's a personal decision. If you want to, to, to do something that says, Jesus, what you did on the cross and what you did on that Sunday when you rose from the dead, when you conquered death, hell, the grave, sin, when you did all of that stuff, I want you to have done it for me. And in just a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond to the gospel. I'm going to give you a moment to, to just say, yes, Jesus, that's for me. Would you stand even now as we, uh, we conclude this service? Go ahead and stand right where you are.
see for today is a new day. And today is a new opportunity. And just as that was a, a new morning that they had no idea was going to be the transformation of history, it can be a transformation of history for you. It can be the day that you say, Jesus, I declare you as my Lord and my Savior. Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of my sin. Begin a personal relationship with Jesus. It's not your grandma's Jesus. It's, it's, it's not your, your parents' Savior. It's your personal Savior. You're making Him your Lord and your Savior. No matter what you've done, no matter what you've did, no matter how far away you've ran from God, because of the cross, because of Christ's sacrifice, here and now, today, you can experience the life-transforming message of the gospel. You can be saved. You can inherit eternal life. But not only eternal life beyond this life, but abundant life on earth even now. Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't that be a great place to be, to, to know that, that you're walking and you're walking not alone, that God has not forsaken you, that, that when you leave this place, you don't leave His presence that you're with him and that he's with you. Isn't that a beautiful thing that, that your sin doesn't hold you down? I hope it does. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Every head bowed and every eye is closed. If today you want to make that declaration that Jesus is Lord of my life and you choose to follow him, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. It's called, sometimes called the prayer of salvation. And whether it's your first time praying this prayer or maybe you've, you've prayed it, but you've kind of turned your back on God over the last few years. And here and now you say, you know what? I'm making a new declaration. I'm getting things right with Jesus. If today is that day for you, then I invite you to pray this prayer with me. It's a prayer that goes like this. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. I know that I've sinned, that I've made mistakes. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Make me brand new. Today, I declare you my Lord and my Savior. Because you died for me, I choose to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Keep your heads bowed, but if today you made that declaration, whether it was the first time or the 51st time, if you made that declaration today and you asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins, hands are already going up. Just lift your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. That's me. I made that decision. Praise be to God. If that's you, lift your hand and just say, I made that declaration. I'm not going to bring you out or call you out. Just, just lift your hand so I can know. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Hands all over the room. Those of you that are online, if you made that declaration, just say, I decided to follow Jesus today. After the service, there's going to be somebody at our next steps tent right there by the helicopter. You won't miss the helicopter. There's going to be some ministers that will be there that can get a Bible in your hand that can help you take some next steps. And as we, uh, as, as you can go ahead and, and uh, look up for just a minute, man, if, if you made that decision or, or even if you're like, well, pastor, I'm already a Christian. I've been following Jesus my, life, my whole life. I, I want to say this to you. This message is not just for those that, that raise their hand today. I, 
I want to remind everybody in the room that Jesus is in the exchange business. He trades death for life. Amen? He trades five loaves and two fish that a little boy brings for a lunch for 5,000 meals for 5,000 men and, and their families. Like Jesus is in the exchange business. He, he can take two copper coins and, and, and say this is the greatest gift in the treasury, even when it amounts to nothing fiscally, financially. But he says her gift was the greatest gift. Jesus takes a woman's alabaster jar of perfume and says because of what you did, you will be remembered for eternity. And we still remember that alabaster moment. Joseph of Arimathea, he gives his tomb to Jesus. He gives this place of death and Jesus exchanges it for resurrected life. Let me tell you, Jesus is in the exchange business. My point is, is if you would just give Jesus what you have, if you give Jesus what you have, he can exchange it for something new. Today you found a, a napkin on your your chair if you guys would just reach back and grab that napkin I want you to, to think about this because we talked a little bit about what it meant when you when you hold this napkin in your hands and and when you're when you're at a place where you're kind of done remember what I said you wad it up and you say I'm done here and now during this service I want you to hold this napkin and if today you made the declaration or maybe it's for someone in the room that, that needs to, to recommit their life to Christ, whatever it is, maybe it's something you're holding on to, whatever it is. I want you to take a moment to say, you know what, this thing that I've been hanging on to, I'm done. And I want you to lay it at the foot of the cross. I want you to take that thing that, that, that you've been wrestling with. Maybe it's something in your past. Maybe it's something that you're, you're, you're struggling with today and I want you to say, God, this is that thing. I've been ringing over it for far too long and I want you to lay it at the foot of the cross. And in exchange for that, I want you to come forward and, and bring that and then I want you to take a folded napkin that one of our, our team members have for you just as a reminder that Jesus is not finished with you yet you might be done you might be finished with it but Jesus is coming back and he's not finished with you amen so today even now as God works in the hearts and lives this, this is gonna take a little bit but on this side you're just gonna come down and you're gonna take your full your your wadded napkin you're gonna lay it at the foot of the cross and then you're gonna make way to one of our team members and grab a folded napkin being reminded that he is not finished with you yet. Will you do that even as we sing? Make your way even now as we sing together. Come on. You're not finished with me yet. You're not finished with me yet.
Amen, amen. Come on. Come on, come on. Stand up, stand up for me. Stand up, everybody. Man, I am so, so proud of you. Let's see, uh, let's see your, your folded napkins. Come on, raise them up. Raise them high. He's not done. He's not done. He's coming back. I love the way I saw some of y'all. Y'all were taking these napkins. Y'all were like, oh, man, I am done with this thing. And I hope and I pray that that's your heart, that's your desire, that today you walk out, but you walk out different. You walk out changed. You walk out knowing he's not done with you. You walk out saying, I'm not leaving the presence of God. I'm going with the presence of God. Amen. Let me pray over you. Father in heaven, I thank you for today. I thank you for the resurrected Savior. I thank you that he is not done. Right now, here and now, we, we just lay down some of our hurts, our heartaches, our habits, our hang-ups, our, our, our brokenness, bad relationships, God, sin, temptation, addiction, God. We Today, here and now, we, we crumble them up at the foot of the cross. And we say, only you, God, only you can take care of them. God, do what you can do. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray. And all of God's people said, amen, amen. Be seated for a minute. Let's watch this video together. So uh, next week, we start a brand new sermon series. It's called Hard Knocks. And uh, the, this, this concept that, that I'm teaching based on is called the orphan spirit. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but if you've ever felt abandoned, whether or not you, you've been an orphan, there's this feeling of abandonment. It's called the orphan spirit where, where maybe it's friends, maybe it's circumstances, a spouse, whatever the thing is, maybe it's just rejection. Whatever that thing is, this, this is kind of the, the direction we're going to be going through in the next three to four weeks. And I hope that you come back. I hope that you come and receive Sundays at 9.15 or 10.35 as I preach through and talk about this sermon series called Hard Knocks. It would be my honor if you would come and be a part of this. Pastor Mikey, come and give these last announcements.
and there's some instructions that we need to follow. So if you are checking out your child from the, the kids' ministry, if they are in K through 5, you're going to be picking them up from this door right here and going down this hallway, K through 5. And if they are 0 to 4 years old, you're going to be checking them out in the lobby uh, over there by the bathrooms, okay? K through 5 over here, 0 to 4 years old over there. Is 0 years old? Second way to do 